This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Well, good afternoon, everyone. <clears throat> I assume everybody is waiting with bated breath and uh, in anticipation of the Republican debate tonight. I watched the last one's entirety, and I'm going to try to watch this one. But they're talking about this thing lasting for three hours. And I'm not sure I can handle three hours, particularly with CNN doing the questioning, because you know what's going to be happening here. CNN is going to go after all the Republican candidates. They're going to be loaded questions. They're going to be antagonistic questions. They're going to be questions designed to trip up the candidates or to you know, make them look stupid. And it's going to be a very one-sided deal, because the questioners from CNN... As in the past, they are for Hillary, or if they're not for Hillary, they're for Joe Biden, or Bernie Sanders for that matter. They are a bunch of socialists who hate the Republican Party and hate conservatives, and they're going to do everything they can to embarrass these candidates. And, the you know, I just don't know if I can handle that much of it. <clears throat> I'm getting mad enough the TV set as it is sometimes uh, when I'm forced to see some of the stuff that comes on the national news. That's why I watch Fox for the most part, although I'm not always happy with Fox News. Uh, but anyway, the debate is going to take place tonight, and it's going to be interesting to see the interplay between Trump and the rest of the field, because uh, they're all kind of reeling at this point with the fact that Donald Trump's in the lead and Ben Carson is right behind him. The Republican establishment is in disarray. They cannot believe what's happening. I mean, their establishment candidate, Jeb Bush, is running third, but he's running way behind both Trump and Carson. And if you take the votes out there, or the, the percentage points of people that are going to vote at this point for Trump, going to vote for Carson, and then the other outsider, Carly Finnerino, then you have a majority of the voters that are being surveyed saying that they are not going to vote for a Republican establishment candidate. They are fed up. They're fed up with what the Republican Party is doing, and the rhinos in the Republican Party, and they want somebody different. They want somebody outside of Washington. And you see sort of the same reaction coming out of the Democrats, except in their situation, you have them going farther left. Uh, you've got a number of Democrats who think that the this country's constitution ought to be just trashed, and anybody who dissents from that be put in jail, and everybody in America be disarmed except for the bad guys. They want. They like Bernie Sanders. They like the redistribution of wealth that he talks about. <clears throat> of course, where is all this wealth going to come from? It has to be redistributed. Well, they say, well, it just comes from the wealthy. Well, suppose the wealthy decide to leave this country. Suppose you take away most of their money, and they're no longer able to create jobs, they're no longer able to run businesses. Then all of a sudden, you have everybody in the country starving to death, which may be the ultimate goal. But the fact of the matter is, is that when you look at the Republican situation, and you look at the Democratic situation, you have a lot of people out there who are disillusioned with politics as usual in Washington, D.C. <clears throat> I personally 
am extremely angry right now by the fact that 42 Democrats, 42 Democratic senators, decided to go file Obama and march in lockstep, do the goose step, the old German goose step, and march past Obama, go and heil Obama. We are going to violate our oath of office. We are going to commit an act of treason. We're going to support your Iranian treaty. We're going to support you not calling it a treaty. We're not even going to allow it as the agreement reached with you by the Republicans in Congress. The agreement was that the Congress would vote on the treaty. And it would be an up and a vote to disapprove. If they did vote to disapprove, then Obama could veto that vote, and it would take two-thirds majority to override it. The very fact that that agreement was reached is a violation of the Constitution of the United States and a violation of the oath of office of every member of Congress, Republican or Democrat, who voted for it. But now Obama has ordered his troops, the Democratic senators, to not even allow the vote that he agreed to because he didn't want to be embarrassed. So he's not even going to allow that vote, and 42 members of the Democratic Party sitting in the Senate have said, okay, we don't care about our oath of office. We never believed in the Constitution to begin with. We're going to let you destroy it. We're going to let you make go forward with an agreement with Iran that will ultimately lead to the Iranians having nuclear weapons, ultimately lead to war in the Middle East. The arms race in the Middle East has already started. I mean, the Saudis are getting in the process of getting nuclear weapons. Pakistan already has them. India already has them. But you have other countries like Jordan that are looking into it because they are afraid of Iran. And now you've got the Iranians basically already violating the agreement. They already have told the U.N. inspectors that you can't inspect certain sites. And the U.N. said, okay, we'll do a private agreement with you on the side that says you can inspect uh, your sites and tell us what you find. So you take the fox and you put the fox in the hen house and you say to the fox, promise us that you won't kill any chickens. And then when you come out of the hen house with your face covered with feathers, all you have to do is say, I didn't kill any chickens, and we will believe you. This is where we are with this treaty. And ladies and gentlemen, it is a treaty. There is no question in my mind that it's a treaty. It fits the classic definition of a treaty, being the long-term agreement between two or more nations. And this agreement is supposed to last 10, minutes, 10 years, 15 years. I'm just not sure, and I've read the thing. Don't know anything about the side agreements that have been reached between Iran and the United Nations or Iran and the United States. I mean, we don't know what Obama's doing. Obama lies to us about everything. He's a pathological liar. He will lie to the American people when he knows the American people realize it's a lie, and even when the truth might serve him better. So we don't know what's in this agreement, but we have 42 United States senators who took the same oath of office that I did as a member of the military. 
to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And now they are willingly violating that oath of office, which, as I pointed out on the show before, is a criminal offense, punishable under U.S. federal law by up to a year in prison and a fine of $10,000 for each violation. Each time you do something to denigrate the Constitution or try to destroy our constitutional republic, that is an offense. Obama has committed hundreds of offenses. Democrats in the House and Senate have committed hundreds of offenses. Are they going to be prosecuted? Well, no. <clears throat> Any more than Hillary Clinton is going to be prosecuted for sending out classified emails uh, through a unsecure server. Nothing's going to happen to her. Nothing at all. Nothing has ever happened to anybody in the Obama administration who has committed a criminal act. Lois Lerner, who took the fifth. She's an IRS agent who took the fifth before Congress because she didn't want to admit to criminal wrongdoing in regard to the targeting of conservative groups to be denied their 501c3 or 501c4 status, tax-exempt status. So she took the fifth. How was she punished by the Obama administration? She was put on administrative leave with full pay and benefits. So she basically got to sit on her butt and do nothing and get paid by the taxpayers for doing nothing. And now she had been retired with full benefits. The person who ran the Phoenix VA hospital, where at least 40 veterans that we know of, and probably hundreds more, died as a result of their files being trashed rather than give them treatment. Because, you know, Phoenix, they have more important things to do with Phoenix VA hospital. Obama had ordered them to go green. So they were putting in solar panels and this sort of thing. That's where their money was going, not to treat veterans. So to cover that up and to cover up the fact that veterans were having to wait months, maybe even years, to get any treatment, those files were trashed, and veterans died because of it. What happened to her? She was placed on administrative leave with full pay and benefits, and then allowed to retire with full benefits. 307,000 veterans are now believed to have died while waiting treatment from the VA. 307,000 veterans. Some of them never could even get into the system because their, their applications were delayed. Think about 307,000 veterans. That's more than all of the Americans who gave their lives in the Korean War, the Vietnam War, Desert Storm, and the War on Terror combined. These people, these men and women, have been killed by our own government. And what's being done? Lip service is being paid. Not much more. Congress seems in, seems inept. But I mean, Cong Congress can't even block this treaty. Congress agreed. Our leadership in Congress agreed to allow the president to, to submit this Iranian treaty 
as a presidential or executive agreement and to be voted on in a way that violates Article One, Section 7 of the Constitution. Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution requires that any treaty signed by the President must be ratified by two-thirds vote in the Senate before it can be put into effect. The Congress of the United States, including the United States Senate, the Republicans, agreed that we're not going to force the President to fulfill his constitutional duties. We're going to ignore our constituents and the fact that we're supposed to be representing them in voting on this treaty, and we're just going to allow the President to present it as a presidential agreement, executive agreement, and to override a veto. Now, Article 1, Section 7 says the President can veto legislation passed by Congress. It says nothing about the president being able to veto legislation defeated by Congress. It's, that's exactly what the Congress has said the president can do in this situation. And let's take our first break now. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. It's a travesty. What's happening in the Congress right now is a direct violation of the Constitution, and it's been acquiesced in by both Republicans and Democrats. And the Republican establishment wonders why people are turning on the Republican Party, why they're turning on the establishment wing of the Republican Party. It's exactly because of things like this. The House has passed legislation disapproving the treaty. That's meaningless because they will not be able to get two-thirds of the House to override a veto. There shouldn't be a veto available to begin with. The Senate agreed to give up its constitutional obligation to vote on treaties. But now they can't even get the vote that was promised to them by Obama on the resolution. 
Now, of course, it too would be meaningless if it passed because of the agreement that was reached by Congress to allow the president to override or to veto a negative vote. But it would still be symbolic. It would still force senators to be on record as to voting for this treaty or against this treaty. There is something out there called a nuclear option. We haven't heard about it in a while. But they used to talk about it when Harry Reid was head of the Senate, the Democrats controlled the Senate. And on occasion they used it. Because see what we have here is we have a, a false rule, phony rule, I would call it, in the Senate where it takes more than 51 senators to pass legislation in the Senate. Basically, that's why nothing has happened in the Senate for the last seven years. Because they have a filibuster rule that they made up, and it used to be a filibuster meant one senator or more than one senator would just keep talking and talking and talking, not relinquish the floor so they could take a vote. That's what the filibuster was all about. But now they have automatic filibuster, whereas any senator can say, it will now take 60 votes to bring legislation in front of the Senate to be voted on at all. Now, that rule can be set aside at any time. Harry Reid did it on several occasions, primarily to help the president get some of his more controversial appointments through. <clears throat> and Mitch McConnell could do the same thing on the Iranian vote. The vote on the Iranian treaty is more important to the future of this country than any vote on any presidential appointment. Yet Mitch McConnell refuses to even consider using a nuclear option. So he is essentially is acquiescing in the 40, with the 42 Democratic senators who will not let this come to a vote, who will not let the American people know how their senators will vote on this, will not let the American people effectively demand that their senators do vote to override a veto if there's a veto. The whole thing is a bloody mess. Basically, what's happened here is members of the House and members of the Senate have unilaterally amended the Constitution to make new rules to amend the Constitution to change the definition of a treaty and to amend the Constitution to allow the President to veto a negative vote. Now, what does that mean down the road? Well, since they've done it this way, in the future, Obama or some other President can submit to the Congress proposed legislation. Let's say Obama submits to the Congress legislation to outlaw the private ownership of firearms in this country or to amend the Constitution to abolish the Second Amendment. In the case of a bill to outlaw the private ownership of firearms, he could submit it to the Congress. It would be voted down by the current Congress in both houses. But then he could veto that negative vote. And that means it would be, take two-thirds of both houses of Congress to override his veto. If that couldn't be mustered, and with you know 42 members of the Senate doing how Obama and marching in lockstep, 
uh, past him, they would go along with it, most of them, and they would not override a veto. And it only takes 34 senators to keep a veto from being overridden. So essentially the president would then be told, okay, your veto cannot be overridden, therefore legislation that was defeated by Congress can now be put into effect by you. That you can go ahead and start implementing universal gun control in this country or universal health care or whatever the president may send to Congress and will the Supreme Court block it because it's unconstitutional? Who knows? Who knows what the Supreme Court will do? We've already seen the Supreme Court decide on its own to amend the Constitution by finding something in it that was never included by the Founding Fathers. The word marriage was never included in the Constitution. Marriage was not considered to be something the federal government had jurisdiction over. It certainly, gay marriage was certainly not considered a constitutional right, but the Supreme Court found it exists as a constitutional right. The bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, there are a lot of people out there getting very, very angry. We have a conglomeration of Republican rhinos, Democrats, and justices, federal judges, both on the Supreme Court and lower courts, who are joining together to abolish our Constitution. And they're doing it right in front of our eyes. And it doesn't matter who we vote into office, it doesn't seem to have any effect. That's why this debate tonight may ultimately be meaningless. Because if the Republicans, whoever they nominate, it's unlikely that that nominee will win because of the fact that you're going to have so many illegals voting in this election next year. You're going to have dead people voting as they do every year. It's going to be, the election is going to be possibly stolen. And if it's not so stolen, there's other scenarios that I don't like, but that I'm looking at as a possibility that I never thought I'd be considering before. One of those scenarios is that we have something happened in this country, like a major terrorist attack, or a major recession, or something that Obama thinks he can use to declare martial law. Now, martial law is really a very limited concept. It basically allows for the president to suspend the right of habeas corpus and to have people arrested and they cannot file a habeas corpus to get out of jail. They, even if they're not going to be prosecuted ultimately, they can't really do anything about it. That's, that's severe. I'm not underrating that. That is very severe. But martial law doesn't say anything about the President of the United States suspending elections. Yet Obama thinks he can do that that he can suspend elections. He essentially could say, we're not going to have an election in 2016. I'm just going to declare myself president for life because there's so many problems in this country that need to be resolved, and I am the only one capable of doing it. 
I hope I'm wrong. I hope this debate is not meaningless. And I hope ultimately the Republicans nominate somebody that can win the election. Because that's something they haven't been able to do for the last seven years. We basically have nominated people who pretty much couldn't win. They knew couldn't win. I mean, let's face it. We had uh, Mitt, Mitt Romney couldn't even carry his own state in the election. We're facing a crisis here, ladies and gentlemen. It's a growing crisis. It's not going to go away by itself. We are losing our constitutional rights. <clears throat> I had somebody again contact me recently about my little booklet called Our Constitution, which is basically where I take each article, each section, each amendment to the Constitution, and I put them in the way they were originally written. And then I make my comments about what they actually mean. And this was somebody who emailed me and said, I was not aware, and I had several PhDs tell me this when the book first came out, I was not aware that the words separation of church and state were not in the Constitution until I read your booklet. I was taught that it was in the Constitution. Our kids are being taught that today. They're being taught that that is part of the Constitution. It's not. Our kids are being taught that gay marriage is legalized by the Constitution. It is not. Our kids are still being taught, despite two Supreme Court rulings that contradict this, that the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms is not an individual right. In North Texas, the town of Denton, they had a curriculum study guide put out for standardized tests in American history and government. And in it, they talk about each amendment to the Constitution. And it specifically says that the Second Amendment does not provide an individual right to keep and bear arms. It provides only for the right of a state-organized militia or the National Guard to bear arms. That is exactly the opposite of what it actually says. Exactly the opposite. Yeah, this is what our children are being taught. That's why many people are ordering copies of the booklet to hand out to, to school children. Uh, uh, Rotary Club in Texas ordered a couple years ago 500 copies to give out to juniors in six of the school districts down there. I've had some private schools around the country order copies to hand out to their students. But everybody ought to read this booklet, and not just because I wrote it. It's because it talks about things that they're not being taught about, that you may not have been taught about in school. Now, I'm an old guy. When I went to school, we had to take a course on Americanism. We had to take a course on Americanism versus communism. that talked about our capitalist economic system and compared it to the communist system. And we talked, we talked, learned about the Constitution. We learned about the Declaration of Independence. I had to learn to recite the preamble to the Constitution. I'm afraid that where we stand right now is in a situation where people don't know what is going on. 
and they are clueless. As long as they're clueless, they're not going to know when their rights are being taken away because they don't know what their rights are. Let's go ahead and take our second break now. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to America's Webradio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You know, ladies and gentlemen, when uh, the Revolutionary War was fought, and in a minute I'm going to talk about how it came about and what the Declaration of Independence really means to us. But when the Revolution was fought to free the colonies from the control of the king in Great Britain, only about a third of the colonists actually supported the revolution and even less than that actually participated in the fight another third of the colonists remained loyal to the king and did not want us to declare our independence and approximately another third of the colonists claimed to be neutral and a lot of them unfortunately were business people who wanted to be able to sell goods to both sides and wanted to be able to make money off of the deal. Despite all of this, against all odds, the colonists won the war. And they won independence for us from Great Britain. Now, when I look at where we stand in this country today, I'm convinced that we have at least one-third, hopefully more than that, at least one-third who believe in the Constitution and want to protect the Constitution and are willing to fight to protect our Constitution and our way of life. Unfortunately, on the other side, we have at least a third who support Obama, support the Democrats, who support the Socialists, 
who want to see the Constitution either destroyed entirely or severely limited. They want to do away with freedoms like the right to keep and bear arms and freedom of speech and freedom of the press. And they specifically want to do away with freedom of religion. They want to alter the balance of powers in the government. They want to give the president more power and Congress less power. So we have a third of the people in this country who want to see our Constitution destroyed. And another third who are protecting it. What about that, that other third? They are clueless. We have approximately a third of the Constitution, that, or a third of the people in this country who don't even know we have a Constitution. Or if they have heard of it, they have no idea what's in it. They have no idea what it means. They don't know what the balance of powers is. They don't know what's in the amendments. And I told this story before, and it's humorous, but it's also scary in its implications. And this happened quite a few years ago, where a group called the First Amendment Foundation did a survey of 1,500 recent college graduates. So these were, like I said, college graduates, supposedly highly educated. And they were asked about the First Amendment to the Constitution. And they were asked to name the five rights protected by the First Amendment. Only 25% of them could name all five. Only about 50% of them could name even two. Over 35% couldn't name any of the rights in the Bill of Rights. That was scary enough. What was really scary was 25% of those surveyed thought the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States protected their right to own a pet, like a dog or a cat. This was quite a few years ago. It's gotten worse. I mean, right now in our colleges, the communist and socialist professors have taken over 95% of our universities. They are teaching our students, our children, to hate the United States. They're teaching them to ignore the Constitution, that the Constitution is some kind of living document that has outlived its usefulness, except when the Supreme Court wants to use it to find gay marriage legal. But that the Constitution ought to be abolished, freedom of religion should be abolished. I mean, we have universities right now, including the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, that have a course on 9-11 that is, teaches the other side, that teaches the reason, supposedly, that these people who flew the airplanes into the Pentagon, into the Twin Towers, were justified in what they did because of the actions of the United States, because of our tyrannical approach around the world. It teaches that the Muslims and the jihadists are correct, that we deserve whatever they give to us. There's, students are not even allowed to respond to this. I mean, right now, in many universities around this country, 
your grade depends on you keeping your mouth shut or agreeing with the professor and everything they say. If you express any form of dissent, your grade will be docked. You may even fail the course simply because you exercise your freedom of speech and don't dare mention freedom of religion. I mean, we had one university recently that came out and, and basically a professor put in the syllabus to his course that students were discouraged from using the term God bless and certainly not to say God bless America. This is the philosophy we have out there. This is what we're fighting. This is what I'm trying to fight with that little book that I put out. And we've sold thousands of copies of it so far. It's only $6. Order it on the Internet. You can go to my website at Michael Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y dot Jigsy, J-I-G-S-Y dot com. And you can read about my other books that I've written, including the best-selling book about my father's unit during World War II called The Mortarman. And also my book, Alma Yaley, A Story of America, which is a patriotic novel, which the liberals absolutely despise and are attacking all the time. And But you can find out how to order copies of the booklet. And you can find out there are substantial discounts for ordering multiple copies. And if you are ordering these copies of the booklet for schools to be distributed to children in schools around this, this country, Contact me directly, and the website shows you how to contact me. Contact me directly, and we will figure out a way to work with you to give you multiple copies of the booklet at a very, very large discount, basically our, our cost of printing. That's what we've been doing with the schools. So you can also go to my personal nonprofit website, which is... Uh, www.constitution.jigsy.com and you can order the booklet through there too. If you want to donate to the United States Justice Foundation to help us in our fight to protect individual liberties, to protect traditional marriage, to protect the right to keep and bear arms, to protect our veterans, all of these things we're doing right now and you can go to usjf.net. There you can read my articles. You can also find those on my blog at michaelconnelly.jigsy.com. But we're posting them now on usjf.net, the United States Justice Foundation. And you can read about what we're doing, and you can donate to help us. We're fighting. I've just been contacted in the last couple of days by some more veterans who are losing their Second Amendment rights simply because they are veterans. And so we're going to be working with them individually, taking their cases, doing everything we can to help them and to advise them. We're doing all this for free. We do not charge the veterans or their families anything. We rely on contributions from people like you. From the listeners to this show, and the people who follow my blog and who follow our website and who know about the United States Justice Foundation and what we do. The protection of our constitutional rights is something that very few 
people are really doing. And unfortunately, the people who took an oath to protect it, with the exception of those in the military who are still trying their best, despite all the obstacles being thrown in their way, and except for the veterans, the people who took the oath who ought to be abiding by it the most are the members of Congress. And it's not happening. I wrote an open letter to Congress as a veteran. And I posted that on the blog last week. And it's gotten a tremendous response. And a lot of people have sent it to the, their members of Congress. In fact, I don't know for sure that they were quoting my letter, but there was a member of the House of Representatives the other day who went a speech on the floor just before the Iranian vote. Uh, pointed out that he had taken an oath of office to defend the Constitution, not an oath of office to defend the president. And that basically is what I said in my article. It's called A Veteran's Open Letter to Congress. And you can read it, again, by going to Michael Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y-E-L-L-Y.jigsy.com. Take that article and use it as you see fit. Some people have requested permission to print it out and hand it out in churches and that sort of thing. Certainly, use it however you see fit. We need to get the word out about what is happening to our country today. We need to get the word out immediately. Because we got coming at us. I mean, it is fixing to get a lot worse. Now we have... And be be reminded that what we have right now happened at least is a direct result of what Obama and his administration have done. They he withdrew us from Iraq without leaving some forces there to help stabilize the country, and that led to the rise of ISIS. He allowed chaos. Area without doing anything seriously to try to protect the Christians in Syria or the people in Syria that were legitimately fighting against Assad to overthrow the dictatorship. He allowed ISIS to take over in Syria. We now have a situation in Europe where hundreds of thousands of refugees from the Middle East, from the countries affected by Obama's foreign policy or lack thereof, like Libya, Syria, Yemen, and remember he's holding up Yemen as being the star of his administration. So much for that. But we'll finish this up in a few minutes after our final break. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. 
Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. You have hundreds of thousands of refugees fleeing to Europe to get away from these war-torn countries in the Middle East. The vast majority of them are Muslims. Today, there was videos of countries like Hungary actually standing their ground finally and saying, we can't take any more people. You have millions of Muslim refugees or immigrants have come into the European countries over the years. They have refused to assimilate. They have refused to become part of the culture. They instead demanded that they be taken care of by the government and demanded that the governments and the people of these countries give up their own culture and become part of the Muslim Sharia law type culture. Europeans are getting fed up with it. And now they're trying to stop the flow. Now, a lot of these people are innocent. A lot of them are fleeing the Assad regime, fleeing the chaos in Libya, fleeing from Afghanistan. And now the President of the United States wants to bring in at least 10,000 of them into this country. That's on top of thousands and thousands that have been brought in under his administration already. And I'm talking about Muslims from the Middle East. I'm not talking about Christians. Now, the Christians are the people being persecuted right now by ISIS. They're the ones being beheaded. They're the ones who have whole villages being wiped out. The President of the United States has no interest in helping Christians. We have a group of Iraqi Christians who are being held in a detention center in California. They have sponsors. They did not come here illegally. They came here illegally, or came here legally being sponsored by friends and relatives who were here. They have sponsors. They are allowed under our immigration law to be here, yet they are in detention centers because Obama will not allow them to be released. Why? Because they're Christians. When has Obama ever said anything about the Christian persecution in the Middle East? 
Never. When 50 Coptic Christians from Egypt were executed as a group, Obama referred to the execution and said how terrible it was, but refused to say that these were Coptic Christians, and that was the reason for their execution. Just like the man refuses to talk about radical Islam, to talk about jihadists, he prefers to call any terrorist attack in this country workplace violence. We now have, according to polls, a third of the American people convinced that Barack Hussein Obama is, in fact, a Muslim. Now, think about the implications of that if that's true. We've had a man in the White House who was elected twice who has lied to us about his very fundamental beliefs, about his core. We have a man who is essentially a jihadist in his own right. He's put members of the Muslim Brotherhood in high administrative positions in his administration. Now, the Muslim Brotherhood is basically an organization that has been dedicated, and you know, the Obama and the national news media, for the most part, refer to them as a moderate Muslim organization. There's nothing moderate about it. Read their manifesto. It calls for the imposition of a Sharia law over the entire world and the killing or exiling of anybody who doesn't agree with Sharia law. Yet we have them in the Department of Homeland Security working for this administration. We have the President of the United States who allows celebration of all the Muslim holidays in the White House. Yet, this guy can't be bothered with going to the funerals of American soldiers killed or the police officers or sending anybody in the White House to do it. He can't even be bothered to go to any of the events that occurred on 9-11 just a few days ago. You had the memorial services in New York City. The president was not there. You had the memorial services in Pennsylvania. Their Flight 93 crashed. The president was not there. You had the memorial service at the Pentagon right across the river from the White House. The president was not there. The first time since 9-11 that the president of the United States has not attended one of these events. Where was the president? I guess playing golf. Who knows? Well, he did tweet a picture of himself. This man is such a narcissist that he thinks the way to respond to the grief that still occurs in the American people over 9-11 is to tweet a picture of his own smiling face. Not to mention the jihadist attack. Not to mention the terrorist threat that we still face. But to tweet a picture of himself. 
now, go back to the Middle East for a minute, you have Russian troops building a base in Syria to support Assad. You have Iranians, you know those guys we just signed this, this treaty with, it's going to bring peace in our time. You have the Iranians sending troops to support the Russians in Syria. Basically, Putin and the leaders of Iran are poking the president in the eye or giving him the middle finger. And the president is just smiling and sending out tweets of himself. He's doing nothing to protect our country. In fact, he's doing the opposite. The classic definition of treason is providing aid and comfort to the enemy. That is what this president has been doing and continues to do. This war on ISIS, now we're finding out that not only has it not been going well, like the president keeps saying, but then that intelligence sources have had their information about how bad it's going they had that information altered. So the White House could present a much rosier picture. We're not fighting ISIS. We're supporting ISIS. By our actions, by not attacking ISIS effectively, by not using our air power, we are not doing anything. I just learned yesterday that uh, ISIS is operating in Syria, in Iraq, and I think in Yemen, and perhaps Somalia. ISIS has got training camps set up where they're training foreign fighters and local people to attack the Christian communities, to attack the governments, to attack us. They have over a hundred of these training camps, maybe several hundred. We know where they are, for the most part. Yet we have yet to bomb one training camp. Why? Obama doesn't want anybody to get hurt. He's afraid there might be collateral damage. Now, a training camp out in the middle of the desert, with nobody on there but ISIS trainers and their students, how is there going to be collateral damage to any innocent parties if we bomb that camp? There's not going to be. But hey, the President of the United States doesn't want to hurt anybody. That's why our bombing raids generally launched against empty buildings at night and against empty pickup trucks. Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you listening in today. I hope you'll refer this to other people. Plan on contacting a couple of special guests to be on over the next few weeks. Getting out the word about our Constitution is very important. Supporting the efforts of the United States Justice Foundation is very important. Go to usjf.net to support us. Go to michaelconnelly.jigzy.com. To order copies of to read my blog, to find out about me, to order copies of my booklet, Our Constitution, 
order order copy order order copies of my books that I've written. But the important thing is get the word out. Contact your members of Congress. Tell them you don't like what they're doing, and get the word out to your friends. And it's time for us to start defending the Constitution. Thank you, and I look forward to being with you again next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.